Welcome to No Truck Stop, the Pac-12 Basketball Car- Carlos. Pac-12 Basketball <laughs> Podcast. Great start. I'm Carlos. Joining me, fellow basketball boy Greg at Bananamorphs. I'm happy to be here this morning. Uh, it's been a good week. Good. Oh, good week. Oh, what did you... Uh... Did you go on a nice date or something? What happened? <laughs> no, no, it's just been a good. It's just been a good week. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, damn. Usually, you're on here sad as hell. Uh, but no, okay. last week was was awful, but this week was good. So all right, all right, good. I'm feeling good. All right. Uh, we got a ton of Pac-12 hoops action to break down for you. We'll talk about UCLA's loss to USC, Arizona's sweep of the Washington schools, Colorado turning into a pumpkin yet again. We'll try to squint and find ourselves a fourth NCAA tournament team from this insane conference and much, much more. But first, as always, please leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. We've had several new five-stars added to our list, but no written reviews, which is totally fine by us. Uh, just leave us a five-star review whether you write something down or not. Uh, but hey, if you want us to read your review on the show, we pick our favorite each week. Uh, so feel free to drop that. And second, as always, we have exclusive Pac-12 content on our Patreon. I actually just dropped a 3,000-word piece on UCLA basketball and the soul-searching they have to do. Uh, that's actually up on our Patreon for free. So go check that out. You don't need to be a subscriber uh, subscriber for that. We've also got plenty of Pac-12 football content. Reed and Matt are continuing to work their way through season reviews for each Pac-12 school. Also, if any news drops about the Pac-12, uh, that's not like, I don't know, groundbreaking, breaking news. We're going to post it there. Uh, maybe if you know if there's any expansion stuff if there's like a media deal that goes on the patreon if there's like expansion we're dropping an emergency podcast episode on the main feed so uh yeah i I don't know if uh if a coach leaves greg between now and you know say say jim harbaugh leaves michigan and i don't know uh who's who's a candidate to leave uh Dan Lanning, coast to Michigan or something. <laughs> Are we doing is that is that emergency podcast worthy? I think that's emergency podcast worthy, but maybe it goes on the Patreon a day earlier. I don't know. Okay. All right. What it's, about it's borderline? Uh, <laughs> okay. Um but if you but if the Pac twelve adds like San Diego yeah, we got State it. or something. That, that one can... immediately right to the main feed, I think. Got it. The people okay. will need to inject the, uh, the no truck stops content right into their veins, and <laughs> we need to provide them with that. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so go check out our Patreon. That's all at notruckstops.com. Uh, all right, enough uh, messing around. Let's get straight into Pac-12 hoops. Let's start with a recap of all that went down in the league this weekend. First up, on Thursday night, UCLA lost to USC in stunning fashion, giving up 52 points. 52 points to the Trojans in the second half. They lose that one 77-64. Then Arizona took a trip to Washington to play UW and Wazoo. They came away with an impressive sweep. Meanwhile, their crosstown rivals went 0-2. Arizona State went 0-2 against the Washington schools. They continue a uh, spiral, a very scary spiral downwards for the Sun Devils. Meanwhile, Oregon got its first weekend sweep of the season, beating the Mountain (laughs) Schools handily, while Oregon State managed to split their sweep, losing to Utah, but handing Colorado... Yet another unexplainable loss uh, for the Buffs. Bizarre stuff from Colorado and Ted Boyle. Down in the Bay Area, Cal and Stanford played each other in uh, one of the worst Pac-12 games of the weekend, although Stanford picked it up a little bit later. Stanford ended up kicking Cal's ass, returning the favor when Cal kicked Stanford's ass in Berkeley a month ago. Okay, let's get to talking about the weekend. I'm actually going to start this off with a question rather than starting with a game. Uh, so USC beat UCLA in the Galen Center, 77-64. Uh, a really impressive win for USC. Boogie Ellis had another big breakout game. He scored about 30 points, I think. Vincent Iwachuku bumped up his minutes to 17. He looked awesome. He was a huge factor mm-hmm. for them on both ends of the floor. Meanwhile, up north in Eugene, Oregon swept both Colorado and Utah, avenging a loss to the Buffs earlier in the season and getting a second win over the Utah running moose. The Ducks got some uh, really nice balanced performances from several different players to accomplish that. Quincy Garrier had a really great game against Utah. Uh, or Jermaine Cousinard had a really great game against Utah. And uh, Quincy Garrier had a really great game against Colorado. Uh, and defensively, they look really, really good. So I, my question for you, Greg, is of the two weekends, USC or Oregon's, who do you think had the more impressive weekend? Uh, to me, this is this is USC, and it's not close. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, USC beat the much better team in UCLA. Uh, like, you know, that's the best win either of them had. Uh, and they also beat, oh, I guess mm, that was last weekend. But <laughs> um, anyway, they, they beat, they beat, they beat ASU UCLA. handily. 
Yeah, but that a, was a week or ago. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that already last time, so it doesn't go here. But the win over UCLA is very impressive. Boogie Ellis, man, infuriating player. Just like every time <laughs> I feel like I figure him out, he's like, "No, I'm now Steph Curry. Don't worry about it." <laughs> um, and Oregon always beats Utah. Like that's not wildly impressive. They do it every single time Oregon and Utah play. Uh, anybody who is expecting Utah to win that game, it's uh, we've seen this so many times before. Why were you doing that? You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is way more impressive to me for for USC, and I think they've like firmly planted themselves in the third bid for the Pac-12. Like it's it's them, and then a big gap between them and Utah and ASU. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. I think that's fair. I almost said Oregon just because, okay, yes, they always beat Utah. Um, I totally get that. This was their first, <laughs> kind of insane to say, it was their first sweep of the of the, of the the season. They had not sweeped a weekend in quite some time. Huh. Uh, they are okay. now four out of the last five. They're four and one now after uh, beating Utah. They beat Colorado, I think, kind of comfortably. I don't think that game was, uh, well, it was it was pretty close back and forth sort of throughout um but uh I, I don't know i just i i guess i just watched oregon and felt much better about them coming away from this uh this home sweep than i uh than i normally do i agree that usc's weekend was better like i feel like usc cemented themselves as oh this is the third best team in the pac-12 this is maybe they're maybe right there on ucla on ucla and arizona's level oregon we're still trying to figure out what the hell is going on with them um mm-hmm. they have over their past since pac-12 play started in earnest on december 31st for them they beat oregon state lost to colorado beat utah lost to arizona state beat arizona and cal lost to stanford beat colorado and utah so uh it's just kind of been back and forth i guess you could kind of look at that like i think the losses maybe are just kind of in my head where it's like they lost to colorado in boulder okay i mean that's not horrendous uh they got their asses beat but it's not horrendous they lost to arizona state then was a tournament team might still be a good team still very talented and they lost to stanford in maples in palo alto if you squint that's kind of an okay loss um but uh i I don't know they're they're uh i can't i'm like waiting for to to get to say okay oregon is being uh competitive again uh they're gonna get a chance to prove that next week when they play arizona and arizona state on the road uh campom only gives oregon a 22 percent chance to beat arizona but i guess that's why i said oregon was impressive i feel like they're getting contributions from a ton of different players Will Richardson, maybe not the, I don't know, the offensive uh, force that we always peg him as, but he's still contributing. He's still always been a really good defender, uh, a really good playmaker for other players. He got, he only had 12 points against Utah, but he threw in seven assists. Um, and and he, that, that kind of line is really common for him. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm, and Nate Biddle also, where the hell did yeah. he come from? <laughs> what did you think of Nate Biddle's performance here? I mean, Utah. he is, it's hard to believe when I'm looking at him that he's good because <laughs> he's Brandon he just feels like in he has a normal sized torso, Nate Biddle, but just the longest legs you've ever seen. <laughs> uh, and it, it doesn't feel like someone can be good at basketball when they have proportions like that, but he is, he's quite good. He's a good shooter. He's good, like rim protector uh i think he was one of the reasons that oregon gave brandon carlson so much trouble uh in that game where they really made things hard for him uh very impressive but you know he is a five star so i guess that makes sense uh i was surprised he didn't play that much last year to be honest yeah uh he's uh he had a really good game in his minutes he had limited minutes 19 minutes i'm not sure did he get hurt or something I don't know what minutes. happened in that game because it's not like Utah got like blown out to the point where Oregon was putting in its bench players. And like Will Richardson played 35. I just I don't remember what happened with him. I think what happened, at least I think the reason I don't remember is uh, as I was watching the game, I the despair sank in quite early on. And so maybe <laughs> I wasn't paying quite as much attention as I should have at the yeah, end. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I can't see anything here. Just maybe he was just 
a freshman, but he got 30 minutes against Colorado. Maybe that was it. It was played 30 minutes against Colorado, needed more rest. Um, the next night got 19 against Utah. Anyway, he looked awesome. So I don't know. Yeah. Oregon is Oregon's talent is uh, level is absurd. They really should not be uh, as bad as they have felt sometimes, but maybe they're figuring it out. I mean, Will Richardson's a really good player. Uh, Quincy Garrier and Jermaine Crusinar, those are great players. Nate Biddle is ultra talented, and back and behind him is Nafali Dante. And it's like, you know, Keyshawn Bartholomew, who was one of Colorado's best players last year. Like they've got a uh, they've got a roster. I I really hope they figure it out because. The Pac-12 could use another really good team, even if that means they're going to wreck, you know, some of the Pac-12's reputation just because they, you know, they had ugly, ugly losses in the non-con. Although, I guess not that bad. UC Irvin's like a good mid-major, I guess. Are we going to excuse that? Excuse that? Utah Valley is apparently a good mid-major per Kempom. They're 88th, which is high for a whack team. Do you think Oregon can get in that large bid? Because I think it, I think the ship has sailed there. Yeah, I kind of think it might have. Nine losses. Yeah, I mean, they've got a, they have a huge, a massive, the most important stretch of the season coming up here. That's a good um, point. In the next two weeks, they've got Arizona, Arizona State, USC, UCLA. Um, the Arizona schools are on the road. The LA schools are um, in Eugene. If they go what three and one, if they manage to pull off three and one. You got to. If they pull off three and one with the wins being against the best teams, oh boy, it might actually be possible. I mean, <laughs> but, even if even if it's even if it's uh, they they beat Arizona. I mean, three and one is you're beating two of USC, UCLA, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's like yeah, it comes against Arizona, Arizona State, and USC, but they lose to UCLA. You still get the uh, win over Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. I, Oof. This is a huge stretch for Oregon. I mean, they they. I, I, I'd like to count them for dead. They are 55th in Kempom, though. What are they in the net? I bet they're in the 70s somewhere. Any predictions? What do you think? 70s? 71? 72? Will I pull it up? I bet they're like higher than we expect for some random reason. Yep. 57th. They're <laughs> 57th in Kempom. They, if they can, if they manage to get two wins uh, in Arizona next weekend, that's. Uh, yeah. And they already have one against Arizona. That's the wild part. Uh, they've got to win against against the Wildcats. So, oh man, I, this is a massive. If you're an Oregon fan, this is like the time to tune in. This is the time to see can can they actually pull this off? They have the size to compete with with Arizona. They've got enough size to make UCLA struggle. Um, and frankly, that game again that they lost to against UCLA, where UCLA finally finally broke their Dana Altman curse. They had a, a a pretty good advantage heading into the final stretch there uh, until UCLA pulled away with a uh, outscoring Oregon by 12 points in the final 10 minutes of the game. Uh, I, I I don't know. We got to see. I, it's a it, it it's more of a maybe it wasn't a super impressive weekend for Oregon, but it's a it's a big table setting weekend for Oregon. Uh, this is a real. They needed this in order to sort of mm-hmm. come into this stretch with some some really big opportunities. Um, so and after that, after they play USC UCLA, they gotta go to the Washington schools, which Washington, not that great of a team, but you know, I don't know. It's they got it's, Arizona it's on the State. And uh they go to Washington State, which <laughs> uh per the analytics is a quad one game. Um <laughs> per record it shouldn't be, but per the analytics it definitely is. So that's this is a huge six game stretch for them. So uh, I totally get it. You being USC, let's. I mean, let's talk about USC too. I mean, are you? What's the thing that's most impressive about USC? What What impressed you most against their win uh, in their win against U- uh, UCLA? Well, I mean, I'm gonna sound super like cliche and uh, I don't know, not boring. I don't want to say boring, but like, I was I was very impressed that they managed to come back against a team like UCLA. Uh, you know, to be down by what was it in the first half? Uh, it was a uh, double twelve for sure. I think it was twelve like points, which is not an insignificant number. Uh, and to be able to just absolutely hammer them in the second half, I think that shows a lot of resilience. And I was very impressed by it. And of course, Boogie Ellis's monster performance. Uh, maybe you don't expect that every week, but like, I don't know. I feel like USC's just been stacking a lot of solid performances recently mm-hmm. uh sure they did kind of get beaten comfortably by arizona but they beat utah by like a good margin I have to yeah. go check what the margin was 
15. Uh, they beat Colorado. They played another close game against UCLA at the beginning of the month. I mean, I think they've really improved from where they were at the beginning of the season. And I'm kind of like with uh, Vince Uchuku getting more minutes as we get further into the season, kind of excited to see what they might be as a tournament team because at this point, I'm kind of expecting them to make it. Uh, Matt Norlander on the uh, Eye on College Basketball podcast for for CBS, uh, he was saying that the Pac-12 will be a three-bid league at the very least. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he would honestly not be surprised if it was a four-bid league. Uh, so to me, I don't know how USC gets jumped by both Utah and ASU. I feel like USC is absolutely going to be a tournament team at this point, unless the bottom falls out. And I'm excited to see them in the tournament. I agree. I, I do think that they're, they've solidified themselves. It's weird. Cause they kind of came in as like mm-hmm. in Lenardi's what last four out, um, or first four out, I think. Um, and they've, Almost, they've almost catapulted themselves into a very solid, I don't know, seven, eight seed, um, you know, that, that's not, uh, or ninth seed at this point, and that's going to continue to go up because they are not, uh, for for whatever reason, it sort of felt like USC has been kind of hiding in the background. They don't have horrendous losses. They've got, the worst loss is their season opening one to Florida Gulf Coast. Okay, fine. Yeah, that was Revenge bad. game. Revenge game for Florida Gulf Coast, I guess. Yeah. If they have any sort of institutional memory about that tenure with Andy Enfield, but fine. Uh, they lose to Tennessee, the number one team in Kempom right now, in overtime on a neutral site. Where was that at? I don't actually know. It was in. It was on the East Coast, so uh, it was in. Oh, it was in the Bahamas. It was in the Bahamas. Oh, okay, never know. mind. True yeah, neutral. A- true, true, true neutral. But either way, they lose in overtime to the number one team in the country. They do lose to Wisconsin the next day. It was a back-to-back mm. on a neutral site in the Bahamas. They go on a winning streak. They lose to Washington State in Pullman. Again, <laughs> losing to Washington State is like, yeah, you're losing to a team with a losing record, but it almost it's almost like losing to a team with a winning record, especially if it's in Pullman uh, with the way that their metrics play out. And also, they're a That's really a fine tough loss. team. Yeah, completely excusable. They lose by two points off a Jalen Clark clutch three-pointer uh, in Poly Pavilion to UCLA. Uh, and their other losses to Arizona. They got they lost somewhat handily. Maybe their worst loss per margin in for the, of the season for them. But Arizona's a very good team. And Arizona mm-hmm. went on to beat UCLA. So I, I USC is, um, they're positioning themselves, themselves really nicely right now. Maybe not even just for uh, a, a, a for sure surefire tournament spot but maybe even a i don't know if they if they manage to go through the schedule and right now it looks kind of easy um the rest of the way i don't know positioning themselves for a four seed even if they if they really got stuff going so and vincent iwachuk was awesome i like mm-hmm. he, he is uh he is He's a freak, man. I like I don't know how else <laughs> to say it. Uh and on top of being seven foot and like insanely lengthy, it's like he's like hitting fadeaway jumpers. Like he's a Yeah, the like he's skill a guard. I was really surprised by. Uh and I'm excited to see it because he's definitely gonna be coming back next year. Uh so like he's he's only gonna get better. I'm really excited to see what, what USC can put around him as maybe more of a focal point next year and even just to see how his role grows as we get closer to March. Uh yeah, USC, I did not expect to be as excited by them two months ago as I am now. Yeah. They've got some streaky players. They do, but their defense mm-hmm. is their defense is really good. Uh it's it's an it's improved, I think, dramatically over the past couple of weeks here. There's a lot to be excited about for USC basketball and uh, a lot for that fan base of four or five play- people uh, to be excited about. So mm-hmm. good for them. Good for the little crowd that follows USC basketball. Okay, let's pivot. Let's pivot to the other LA school. There weren't a lot of, just got to be honest, we said this before, there were not a lot of great games out there. So we're talking a lot about one or two or three games, but there just wasn't that many. Uh, but let, let's turn to UCLA because they're the other ones that are sort of being discussed somewhat uh heavily right now they've lost now two straight to arizona usc they're continuing a january finishing out a january that frankly has not been all that impressive if you're actually watching these games there's still a lot left here for ucla but greg are you worried at all about the bruins at this point 
I'm conflicted because on the one hand, I am worried, you know, when you okay. have a few bad performances like this in a row, sure. it is absolutely concerning. And there are issues that like are not fluky issues that we're seeing. These are issues that could very well sink them. But at the same time, there's just something about UCLA. Like I trust them, you mm. know, mm-hmm. in a way that I don't trust any other team in the conference like you know they've been to the final four under Mick Cronin a lot of these players went to the final four two years ago and last year I think if Mick Cronin coaches a better game they go to the final four again Mm -hmm. uh and so yeah that issue from Mick Cronin is a thing we have to think about but they just I don't know I trust them to bounce back more than I do most other teams and I just I feel like whatever happens during the regular season, they'll figure it out in March at least a little bit and they will put on a respectable showing. Yeah. I, I'm of the same boat. I think there's things to be worried about, but I'm also mm-hmm. not, um, I'm also fairly confident that they will figure some of those things out. Like you mentioned, they've done this before, uh, by the way, mm-hmm. and you should go read the piece that I posted on Patreon about that. Uh, again, it's free to you don't need to subscribe to it but they have done this before every single year in the mick cronin era there has been some sort of moment where ucla's had to go on some soul-searching mission where we're sort of in the middle of the season being like what the hell happened to this team uh they've had a really rough stretch they did it in mick cronin's first year uh and really the issue was that players were not buying in at some point they bought in and rattled off an 11 and three finish losing one of their last 10 um uh down the stretch they did it in 2021 obviously they finished that season horribly uh but ended up going to the final four the next year they had a couple of a, a couple of brutal losses there in the middle and and wound up figuring some stuff out to get all the way to the pac-12 championship game uh where they did lose to arizona um and you know I guess you could say sort of lost to a very hot Caleb Love, maybe some coaching issues, whatever. But they mostly figured some stuff out there, beat the shit out of a St. Mary's team um, in the second round. And here they are again, doing it uh, in the middle of the season. All three of those, all three of those really bad stretches involved in the loss to USC. This one does too. Uh, so they, they definitely have some stuff to figure out. I'm worried a little bit about the roster situation. That can't be fixed. Yeah. We, we've talked about their center situation. It's not good. Yeah, the, the the hope is that Adembona has his 2021 Cody Riley run, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully a little bit better than Cody Riley was, because Cody Riley, <laughs> oh, Co- Cody Riley was good for the last two minutes of every game. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping Adembona is, is better than most of those. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like Adembona, we need a, a, a major Adembona development arc. He has not looked good. He does not look good against, he looks great against some of the lesser teams, and that's not nothing, right? Like That's improvement, because he didn't yeah. at the beginning of the year. Yeah, so he's looked good against some of the lesser teams that don't really have a competent big man that they can uh, throw at him or that he has to. he's responsible for defending. But he struggled against Warren Washington, uh, against uh, against Arizona State, Arizona State's big man. Uh, struggled against Umar Balo, pretty, pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. definitely struggled with Venti Wachukwu. Definitely struggled an entire second half. So they really need something from him because after that, it's Kenny Nuba. Kenny Nuba? good for a few fouls, a good hustler, uh, plays hard, but is not a great player. Mac Etienne, I don't know, he's doesn't in like play. five to ten minutes, yeah. doesn't play, doesn't play, you're right, five to ten minutes a game. So that's, that's the concerning part. I think there's a lot to say about their offense. I think offensively, they're a little lost. It feels a little like the they don't have those, you know, extra two ISO scoring options that they can re- lean on when things get ugly. Um, they had that with Johnny Juzang and Jules Bernard last year. Not efficient players, but they were they they got UCLA buckets when they desperately mm-hmm. needed them, especially in these late clock situations that they keep getting forced into. Um, they're leaning a lot on ball movement, and as, as a result, they're not 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 great at it. They're all right. They're not great at it. Um, at least over the past five weeks now, four weeks. Uh, so they definitely have some stuff to figure out. Uh, and then, of course, defensively. I mean, Adembona, I think, is the is the one that needs to improve for UCLA's defense to improve. Jalen Clark has not been great defensively. Some people think that's probably because of his offensive struggles. I think that's reasonable. Um, 
David Singleton has not been what he has been defensively. He was never a stalwart, but he was always a decent. Um, Jaime Jaquez is kind of tired out, probably, maybe, is what we're experiencing, having to play all those minutes. Uh, and also, he's carrying the offensive load, so can you expect him to play well defensively? So, like, on and on and on. They've got some issues to figure out. Um, I think uh, the one thing people, they've been able to lean on for the most part up until the past three games has been their defense, but that started to fall off. They did not play well against Arizona State. Arizona State was hitting some ridiculous shots. But uh, ultimately, I think UCLA had a lot to improve on defensively. And then the second half of the Arizona game, uh, a, a brutal defensive performance. And again, the second half of the USC game, another brutal defensive performance. So um, lots of stuff to figure out for UCLA. But I think they'll figure it out. Um, even if a Dembona, if a Dembona just improves to the point where he's a mid-level Pac-12 center, that's that'll go a long way for UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Very interesting stuff. All right. Well, that's UCLA. We'll see how they fare. They get uh, they get the Washington schools. Is that what I said they get? Um, yes, they get the Washington schools at home. So they'll get a big opportunity there to try to um, show that they're okay. They are still favored in every single game per Ken Palm. The game that they're most likely to lose, if you, if you believe Ken Palm here, is Utah when they play in Salt Lake City on February 23rd. I don't know if I'd say that's the least, the most likely loss on their schedule. I'd say that's still a likely win. Um. <laughs> um, anyway, speaking of Utah, let's pivot to talk about the run in Moose. Uh, Greg, do you want to recap a little bit about what happened uh, to Utah this weekend? Yeah, so on Thursday, they played Oregon State. Uh, I can't remember where that one was played. Uh, I watched it. Was it was in... It was in but Corvallis. I think it was think. in Corvallis. Yeah, yeah. I, it was in Eugene. Anyway, the other Oregon game was in Eugene, so they won on they won on the road. Right. This was just a like phenomenal defensive performance from Utah. They just completely smothered Oregon State the entire game, even with some rough offensive stretches. Like I think in the first half they had like five minutes where they didn't score, um, but it didn't matter because Oregon State just could get nothing on them uh, offensively. It wasn't a great game from. Uh, any one player, just like a decent team effort, you know, everybody played a fine game offensively, and that was enough. Although, I will say, overall, I was really impressed with Ben Carlson in both hmm. of Utah's games. Uh, like, he's not a, he's not a, some great player. Uh, like, he's not a star, not even close, but he's just a great role player, and I think he's improved as the season's gone on. Uh, he started the season out as just like a guy who rebounds, but I think he is, uh, he's, he's just more ingrained in the team. I think he's been defending really well. Uh, the rebounding is still there, of course, which is so important when you've got a big, like Brandon Carlson, who, while he is very tall and very long, he's, he's very slight, you know, uh, it's easy to get pushed around when you're going for rebounds. And so to have a guy like Ben Carlson helping out along with Marco Anthony, uh, it's been huge, and it's one of the reasons Utah's improved so much this year. Uh, so I was impressed with Ben Carlson, especially against Oregon State, and then against Oregon. It was it's the same game. It's the same game they play <laughs> every year. I mean, not every year, twice every year. Uh, like, you can see this one coming from a mile away. Uh, ben Carlson didn't play that much in this one, uh, but he was he was solid in the minutes he played. The, the big story for me for Utah is the way that Oregon just absolutely made life hell for Brandon Carlson. He was two for 14, still had 13 points because he was getting fouled. But like that double team that they throw at him, Utah just has no answer for, no answer at all. And that's on Brandon Carlson. Like he's got to be better. He can't bring the ball down when that keeps happening to him. And yet he keeps trying to bring the ball down. Like when he gets in the post, Mm -hmm. uh, and when, when Brandon Carlson can't do anything, Utah can't do anything. It is yeah. it is painful to watch. Kebakeda was not good in the few minutes he played. Uh and so I'm not really like upset that he didn't play that often. Maybe I would have liked to see the the Brandon Carlson and Kebakeda minutes at the same time, which we we didn't really get to see. However, I can't really blame them when uh uh Brandon Carlson oh yeah, he wasn't in foul trouble. 
Brandon Carlson? Uh, he had one he foul. So I don't, I don't yeah, think he was. yeah. No, no one I can't. Like for Utah, I can't really blame them. I guess when Kepakeda just has not been very impressive recently. Uh, he's been fine, but like yeah. he hasn't been a game changer. I don't think that would have changed the outcome of this game, putting them with minutes together. Uh, Stefanovic had a fine game, but overall, this is the same problems that Utah has had and will continue to have as long as this is the roster. They just do not have nearly enough offensively. And when you take away Brandon Carlson, like Oregon has shown everybody exactly how to do, it's very easy to shut down Utah. Yeah. I mean, the the issue is 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 they just don't have a ton of offensive options or threats mm-hmm. uh, beyond Brandon Carlson. And it really is sort of like, you know, you can either take the approach of take away Brandon Carlson and force anyone else to beat you, or yeah, uh, yeah, let Brandon Carlson cook and and see if anyone else will step up. Uh, and no one, no one really can. I mean, it hurt. It did hurt. We must mention that Gabe Matson went out really early on in this game. First two minutes. Uh, we'll see how he turns out. He could not come back to the game. It looks like he he needed to be helped off actually. So we'll see how uh, how significant that injury is. I'm not sure if we have a report on that yet. Uh, they could have used his shooting for sure, especially if they were going to crowd Brandon Carlson and dare anyone else to beat them. Um, I, so they just don't have outside of Brandon Carlson and maybe Gabe Matson's shooting and maybe sometimes Raleigh Wooster's shooting. Uh, they don't have a, a ton of, uh, uh, I don't know, offensive threats that they can throw at teams. Uh, that's the problem. I, I actually thought Utah played a reasonably decent game. They definitely lo- look overmatched. They did they, mm-hmm. they just looked overwhelmed by what Oregon was bringing. Oregon, an incredibly talented team. They had a lot of dudes there. Um, you know, uh, they had really great contributions all over the place. Uh, Jermaine Cousinard had, what did he shoot? He went uh, seven for 14 from the field to go with four assists, five rebounds, a block. Um, he was all over the place. Uh, they were just overwhelmed. I mean, Utah's defense, actually very impressive still. I'm still... Yeah, fairly impressed with what Utah did defensively against Oregon. Obviously, you know, analytically, it doesn't look that great. They got 68 points off 61 possessions Oregon did. But I don't know. I mean, uh, they th- those were some hard points. I, I thought that Oregon went through plenty of stretches where it felt like they couldn't get a, a ton going. And uh, that's that's credit to Utah's defense. They just don't have the talent necessary to be able to score and, and make teams pay. They had um, an I don't know. I guess really it, it wasn't even an, a sloppy offensive game. I actually was kind of impressed with Utah's ball movement. <laughs> like I was like I thought Utah got like decent looks and was getting decent positioning, but they don't they literally don't have the dudes to be able to capitalize on that. They had Utah only had six turnovers in this game for against a an Oregon team that loves to press, uh that mm-hmm. loves to force teams into mistakes to only get six turnovers. Like that's impressive. I I guess I'm just sort of looking at the at the signs of Utah's uh, health right now, and outside of shooting, it's not bad. Um, this is not a bad team. They just don't have a ton of talent. You got to hope that uh, going in forward in the future, Wilgins Exact Jr. Um, he develops uh, himself, and you got to hope that Kebakeda gets better. I mean, he's a he's a really good talent. I think he will. Um, you got to hope that uh, uh, who else they got? They got a they got another four star sitting around there somewhere, right? Don't they? No, no, they don't. No, okay, all right, everybody. <laughs> uh, the recruiting has been a big concern for many Utah fans uh, under Craig Smith, especially losing out on top one hundred national player Colin Chandler, who grew up as a Utah fan. Losing him to BYU was a was a blow, uh, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that's you got to bring the talent in, no matter how well coached you are, or it's always going to be like this. That's true. Anyway, uh, so Utah probably had a had some of its postseason hopes. Uh, I wouldn't say dashed, but but certainly sort of put in uh, in a dangerous position. All right. Well, we got a couple other questions here, but let's uh, wrap up this particular weekend uh, with some MVPs. MVPs every week we pick a player or even a coach if we really want to that we think had a really big weekend. Greg, do you have an MVP off the top of your head that you want to give some give some love to? Boogie Ellis, I mean, yeah, probably thirty one against UCLA uh, in that comeback, in that massive second half. I mean, I, I I'm I'm trying to think of someone else who had a performance on that level, uh, and I'm coming up blank. But yeah. yeah, I think I think it's Boogie Ellis for me. 
Yeah, Boogie Ellis is a good one. Going, getting thirty points uh, against one of the best defenses in the country, extremely impressive stuff from him. Uh, I'll, I'll throw in, uh, I'll, I'll throw in Tabellis. I thought he had a really yeah, he good had a game. solid game. He had a great game against Washington. Twenty-five points off, ten for mm, seventeen shooting to right. go along with ten rebounds, four assists, uh, I and a block. About the Washington game. Yeah, and then against Washington State, Julius Tabellis had a really good game there too. 18 yeah. points off, 9 for 16 shooting, 12 boards, 1 assists, uh, a block, and a steal. So good game from him. A couple good games from him. Uh, he's he's positioning himself as the front runner for Pac-12 player of the year at this point. Um, you know, So we'll see. Uh, it's going to be interesting if UCLA figures its stuff out. Jaime Hawkins or Jalen Clark figure their stuff out. Um, we'll get a... We get a really good look there, but uh, what do you think? Uh, Pac twelve, uh, Kempom has a Pac twelve, Pac twelve all Kempom team. I think it's sort mm-hmm. of based mostly analytically. They've got Julius Tabellas, Jaime Hawkes, and Jalen Clark at one, two, three. Any guesses for who four and five are? Well, um, unfortunately, I I can see the list. I'm looking oh, at okay. it now. All right. Well, fuck um, you then. I think I could have gotten two of those though. I, I think I could have gotten them uh, okay. <laughs> with Brandon Carlson and Umar Balo. They've both been incredible this year, and so it makes sense. And if you try and think of who we've been thinking of in the player of the year conversation, I think Azulis Tabellis is probably at the top for most people. Uh, Jalen Clark, we've talked about a lot. No surprise that he's there, even if he hasn't been quite so good recently. Jaime Jaquez has been doing so much for UCLA. Again, no surprise that he's here. We've talked about the Brandon Carlson thing. Nobody's more important to their team than Brandon Carlson is to Utah. I mean, you can see that um, against Oregon. <laughs> like, yeah. Oregon takes away Brandon Carlson. Poof, Utah is a pumpkin. Uh, and then Umar Balo has been so, so good uh, in the post this year. Uh, so I- I'm not surprised. I'm not sure I would have gotten Umar Balo, but he would have been one of the names. So I think that that makes sense, even if it is three bigs and Jaime Hawkes and Jalen Clark is the point guard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Okay. Well, that's our MVPs. Let's uh, talk some real, some shit really quick at the, we're going to still call it the Nasty Nook. Two weeks in a row, unless you came up with some names here, Greg. I I, I, perf- I still am a fan of the Shit Shack, personally. Okay. <laughs> okay. The Shit Shack. We'll call it the Shit Shack. The problem is we already have the Shame Shack. We need another Yeah, but space. Shit Shack is better. Okay. <laughs> well, then let's talk some shit at the Shit Shack, uh, uh, formerly known as the Nasty Nook, formerly known as a humiliation hub, also formerly known as the Shame Shock, and formerly known as the Disgrace Desk. Which Pac-12 team do you think deserves some shame after a nasty weekend of hoops? A shitty weekend of hoops, I guess. Colorado? I mean... <laughs> Come on down, Colorado, yet again. <laughs> yeah, got swept by the Oregon schools. Uh, that's that's not great. You know, you, sh- you should be beating Oregon State. Uh, I get Oregon is a tough game, and that's not a bad loss if you're Colorado. Oregon State is kind of a bad loss. Uh, I get that they have kind of similar records, but that's embarrassing, Colorado. You shouldn't have a similar record to Oregon State. You should be better than them. <laughs> How are you going to get to 20 wins for Tad if you're losing to Oregon State? Uh, if I did my math correctly, they've got one, two, three, four, eight games left. So they need to win out to get to 20 wins in the regular season. I think 20 win, I think pretty sure 20 win tad extends into the postseason. Is that right? Um, um, I'm not see. sure. So in 2022, they had 20 regular season wins. In 2021, they had 20 regular season wins. In 2020, they had 20 regular season wins. Um, in 2019, they had 19 regular season wins. So I guess the last time they did not get 20 wins in the regular season 2019. They ended up with 19 that year. They did end up with 20 wins, uh, the over 20 wins on the season. Uh, the last time they did not get 20 wins in a season, regular season and postseason was 2018, 2017, 2018, um, when they went 17 and 15. Uh, has Tad Boyle had a losing record in his time at Colorado. I am looking here, and the last time was 2014-2015, which I believe was his third, no, fourth. God, he's been at Colorado a long-ass time. (laughs) Holy shit. I I thought he was only here for 10 years. How many coaches has he survived? Oh, that's a great question. Let's see. Uh, yeah, how many football coaches have died? How many football coaches at Colorado? Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. John, John Embry, 
John Embry. Uh, he was yeah. there when Colorado went to the Pac-12. Mike McIntyre. Mike McIntyre survived him. Uh, oh, the um, Mel the coach Tucker. Is at Michigan State. Mel Tucker. And, and then Carl and Durrell. And Carl Durrell. And now he's on and Deion maybe Sanders. maybe he survives Deion Sanders. I think there are decent <laughs> odds that he does. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you can't really fire a dude who gets you 20 wins every single year. Uh, if he does it this year, it would be insane. It would require like some, <laughs> some next level shit. I don't think it's going to happen. Pretty sure it's not going to happen. Colorado's a good one for the uh, for the shit check, though. I... Uh, I, I'm going to give it to Cal again. I don't care. Yeah, I know that yeah, they are sort fair. of this. This should be the Cal Memorial shit shack. If you're, if we're being completely honest, they got Lifetime their asses, achievement award. Yeah, asses handed to them by Stanford. They they lost seventy five to forty six. Um, they shot. Uh, oh gosh, I really wish Kempom combined their field goal percentage. They went seventeen for fifty six. What's that? Got to do some math here now. Seventeen fifty six thirty percent. 30.4. 30.4% from the field uh, to go along with 12 turnovers, which I guess isn't so bad, but uh, it was a, a horrendous performance from Cal. Stanford shot the lights out um, and the second half or the later stages of this game. Um, a disgusting, disgusting, disgusting game um, mm-hmm. for Cal. Uh, they are now they are now losers of one, two, three, four, five straight after starting Pac-12 uh the pack 12 season two and one <laughs> or, <laughs> or two and three record is but, still is still yeah. attainable for cal yeah yeah <laughs> if they lose oh, out <laughs> this is it's it's terrible i cannot believe that they are uh i really they should not have i'm kind of mad that they beat stanford and colorado uh seriously that been, that's so fucking annoying this should have been a winless conference play for colorado <laughs> for cal and it should have been colorado, a one-win yeah. season and they yeah. ruined it and yeah, they deserve every beatdown that's coming their way. Uh, yeah, very very bad. Hey, uh, Stanford's a uh, one four in a row now. You do you believe in Stanford? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> Fucking I Jared don't. Haas, fire him, please, Stanford, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, Washington. Uh, I, I guess they held their. I'll throw Washington here in shit check in our little shit check segment here. I. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, they lost. No, no, wait, wait. Washington. Oh, they beat Arizona State. Yeah, I was going to say, why Washington? Yeah, you're right. You're right. That was was a good win for them. Okay, Uh, okay. And they they did get hammered by Arizona, but do we really care? Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. uh, I was going to mention somebody else, and I forgot who. Arizona State. That's the God. One. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we we really need to talk about Arizona State. Yeah, they fucked rough themselves. Week for them. <laughs> they have a rough fucked week. themselves. Holy <laughs> shit! Avery wanted it this badly. Oh my God! Uh, getting swept by Washington and Washington State. I get that they were road games, but you cannot lose to Washington. Uh, Washington is not a good team. No. Washington beat. Did, I don't know. Did you get to watch that game? I watched the last like 10 minutes of the game yeah of game time i should say yeah Yeah. so i saw them manage to get it to overtime (laughs) which felt ridiculous (laughs) and then once they were in overtime just completely shit the bed like (laughs) what a fucking collapse from this team i mean (laughs) what was that game (laughs) oh my god it was a terrible game they had no business even going to overtime washington is just a fucking pumpkin themselves and so like of course they let arizona state back into it and then when they somehow they got fouled on a three-pointer got three free throws to go into overtime against <laughs> washington so funny. and then they fucking blew it again oh man i i was simping for arizona state so hard they go they beat oregon they beat oregon state uh and then they had a close game against ucla got there and then and then ever since then you know what this reminds me of this reminds me of 2021 asu football actually when they go oh, when they went, wow when they had a <laughs> really good start and they look like the best team in the pac-12 they go and play utah they are up what 21 nothing on utah in the first half they were and they were up 21 7 and then they and gave then up they, 28 unanswered and then utah fucking eviscerated them that's uh ucla's utah in this scenario and then uh, and they have they have been on a downward spiral ever since, just like twenty twenty one ASU football. Uh, this is yeah, and, oh, they are down bad right now. That Washington State loss was rough, man. Like we talked about how Washington State isn't a terrible loss, uh, 
But it was non-competitive. Exactly. It was not competitive yeah. at all. Losing badly to Washington State is a terrible loss. You know, like it. Yeah, I'm trying to find the right words to describe it, but it, they look so bad. They look so bad right now, and it is like they're not a tournament team unless they win the Pac-12 at this point, right? I, I mean, unless or, or they go on a on a, a ridiculous run, run. That yeah, won't happen. Yeah, they've got some opportunities again. They'll get Oregon next week at home. Uh, Oregon's looking really good though. They get an, a couple of easy wins to pad their schedule if they can beat Colorado. Um, yeah, I mean that's not a guarantee. They've got Utah. I, that'll help them a little bit. Uh, and then they end the season with Arizona, UCLA, USC. Oof. I have no confidence right now. No confidence <laughs> that they'll be able to. Finish. I don't think they'll get to twenty wins even. Um, it's it's they do Ugh. not look good. They have fallen off. They they have fallen off dramatically here. Um, no one's shooting well because again, uh, Bobby Hurley does not get great shots. <laughs> His offense does not uh, create good shots for his players. It puts them in some really shitty positions. Uh, their defense has now fallen off. Like, I get Washington State had a pretty good shooting game. They love to shoot a bunch of threes, and they shot 40%. That will definitely sink you, but um, a lot of those are really, really good looks. Uh, they've got nothing going from their perimeter players right now. The best thing you can say about them is that, uh, you know, I guess Warren Washington's okay, but even then, uh, probably not. I they were, it was horrendous. It was a horrendous game from this team. They have uh, they've got a lot of shit to figure out, and I this is one of those teams where it's like they're doing it again. Arizona State, you have no there's no confidence that we have that they'll figure it out. Um, not like a UCLA or even mm-hmm. when Arizona was down, no confidence that Arizona State's going to figure out because they do this every fucking year. They look exactly. like they get off to a gaudy start, and then they collapse. Except um, for except for last year when they lost to. Well, I guess they lost a, a terrible team this year at the beginning too. <laughs> so yeah, that's two well, straight well, years last year was that. a little. Last year was a little bit different because they started off horribly, and then it was way too late for them to do anything. And then they had a really good end to their season. Uh-huh. Um, I guess the momentum carried over a little bit, uh, but this th- they they are now uh, full on spiraling right now. Uh, so yeah. going to be very interesting to see what they do against the Oregon schools next week. They belong in Chit Shack as well. All right, uh, real question here. Uh, now that we're sort of out of the weekend, I wanted to take a step back to kind of look at the league in relation to the postseason. At this point, we sort of talked about it. Uh, Arizona, UCLA, and USC now are, are locks for the tournament. I think we agree on that one. So we have three locks. I'm curious. Is there? Is there? You, you sort of talked about this a little bit. Is there a fourth here in the league somewhere? I, that's what I want to know from you. I'm going to ask this question by throwing out a few teams. Oregon, Utah, Arizona State, and the Pac-12 tournament champion. Of those four options, where do you think the Pac-12 is getting its fourth bid, if it has one? So I do want to start by saying USC could absolutely play themselves out of the tournament. Sure, yeah. Uh, but assuming they play like... like Assuming they win the games they're supposed to win going forward, uh, I think they're a lock for the tournament. Uh, but to the question of the four options that you presented for a fourth bid for the Pac-12... I think the Pac-12 tournament champ is the most likely. To, really? Yeah. Because <laughs> okay. Oregon, I think they've lost too many games. Okay. And I don't think they're going to go on a massive run to okay. to finish the year and, and end in the tournament. Uh, Utah, I think they're just too flawed. Uh, and they have a rough finish to the year, if I recall correctly. Uh, I think they get a lot of the best teams... Let me double check, but uh, even if they don't, it is, yeah, so they still have to play UCLA, they still have to play ASU, they still have to play USC, they still have to play Arizona, Uh, and those are four of their last five games. Uh, I do not see them coming out of that stretch looking great, because I think all four of those teams uh, will be able to defend Utah. Uh, Utah, I don't think, can get Arizona twice. It's yeah, it, I don't think they can get in that large bid with that schedule. Oregon, they've lost too much. ASU, they've lost too many times also at this point. Those two losses, and they look terrible, so I don't think they're going to turn it around immediately at the very least. And mm-hmm. so, to me, the best chance is it might still be Oregon, but like a team going on a yeah. run in in the tournament because Oregon has the talent to do it if they can if they can get hot uh, and they they get a little help like say 
UCLA or Arizona lose a stupid game uh, on the way, and then Oregon only has to play one of them, I could see Oregon getting one game against one of those two teams, but really looks like a three-bed league right now. Yeah. I I mean, I... I, Something, I mean, maybe... The thing is, is Oregon is so talented that I just... I'm not ready to count them out, and I and having seen them beat Arizona the way that they did, I know it was in Eugene, so that really matters. But I don't know. I, I Oregon is the one that's that I'm now curious about. I don't think uh-huh. I don't think I picked them to be in right now, like I did with like Arizona State or something, or even yeah. Utah. But they've got a good stretch here that is um that that. That I think is going to help them. Uh, they've got a really a big game, a couple of really big games this weekend that I think could catapult them into that conversation. They beat Arizona. They beat. Let's say they sweep the Arizona schools in Arizona. After that weekend, do you think they're in? Do you think they should be in? Oh man, I. would <laughs> be two I'm wins a over a top ten Arizona team. Yeah, that is two wins over a great Arizona team. But they still have some real bad losses. I'm also not a bracketologist, but Joe Lenardi's bracket looks like fucking shit when I see that there's seven ACC teams and 11 Big Ten teams. Like, come the fuck <laughs> on. The Pac-12 <laughs> is better than the ACC per, per Ken Palm. And is it? The ACC is getting seven teams? That's bizarre. That is wild. Um, but... Yeah. I'm not a bracketologist. I just... So. Maybe, actually, because tournament games can help you even if you don't win the tournament. Sure. sure. If they, at the very least, go on a run in the tournament, then I think it becomes possible. But I don't think they can get in just with regular season play unless they go on a massively improbable run. Mm. Okay. So, like, say they, they do well against the, like, uh, with that stretch we were talking about earlier. If they go 3-1 and one there and then win a few games in the tournament, I think that puts them in. But okay. I think they also have to win some games in the tournament. They can't... Uh, shit the bed early they have to lose to one of arizona and us or ucla preferably beating one of them okay i mean that's yeah they've, they've got a path uh it's a very arduous path so we'll we'll see um okay let's move on to our next question here i got a question from a listener uh the homie i'm trying to read this here uh brock p949 he asks, would like for you guys to talk about how coaches who have done well, recruited better, started to decline the second they started getting five stars. Some that come to mind are Ben Howland, Sean Miller, Dana Altman, Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney, is he a Pac-12 guy? Uh, <laughs> where did he come from? But I guess I guess maybe there's some some something going on there. I'm curious to hear from from you this question, Greg. Like, do you do you feel like there's something here around coaches who uh, are, are really good suddenly started to get five stars and then things started falling apart at the seams? I, that's, that's not how I'd characterize what's happened with Dabo Sweeney because I think he was getting five stars for a while. Uh, what happened with him is not only was he getting five stars, he was also, he had a ridiculous hit rate on non-five stars turning mm. into fantastic players. And he also had incredible quarterback talent for like eight years straight. Uh, mm-hmm. with Deshaun Watson and then Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I don't think the five stars are what has sunk him. I think it's that he doesn't want to adapt to a new age of college football, and he's just not getting as lucky as he was. With Dana Altman, do, do you think it's the five stars that, that have been the problem? Because <sighs> I don't think it is. I think it's just that he was playing a very risky game with rebuilding the roster every year. Yeah. And that shouldn't work. That should not work every single year like it was and these last few years it hasn't been i I don't think it has necessarily to do with it being five stars who he's bringing in i can't talk so much for ben howland and sean miller because i was not pac-12 basketball fan quite so much when they were coaching but yeah ben howland yes i think um ben howland did lose his way when he got five stars i think a lot of that was uh there was some there was some talk that uh, he had like poisoned the well in LA recruiting. He had like oh. just shunned a bunch of guys and, you know, had, had a really bad reputation in Los Angeles. And so he kind of had to recruit five stars from like all over the country. And uh, yeah, it didn't work because he, he was one of those blue collar. I get guys who work really hard and who are going to stay here multiple years. And that Mick works. Cronin. But, <laughs> yeah, it works better but, in college yeah, yeah. basketball. I mean, Mick Cronin is a much better recruiter and is more willing to do to get good, good talent. But 
uh, it works better in college basketball than it does college football, I think. Um, but you know, I think that was sort of a, an interesting circumstance. Uh, Sean Miller, I don't. I always thought Sean Miller had some talented teams. I don't think he had yeah, a I mean, bunch he had of five really stars. Yeah, I don't think he had a bunch. He got a bunch of five stars and lost his way. Um, I think he just. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. But to, I do think say what happened there's there, something. But. I do think there's something here though about this. Yeah. I do feel like there's instances where you have good teams that are built off under mm-hmm. under recruited guys who all have and, massive chips on their shoulder yeah yeah there is something to that i think that was a little bit true for ben halland fairly true for ben halland i guess uh the one that i'm really curious about you're gonna get pissed off uh it's kyle whittingham, not say kyle whittingham. Kyle whittingham. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you may you may notice that utah these last two years has had more talent than they've ever had uh across the board mm-hmm. somehow that has led to two Pac-12 championships. <laughs> that must mean that Kyle Whittingham can't coach talent. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, Kyle Whittingham did win the Pac-12 in 2021. Twice. That was the worst. Yes, that twice. was the worst, the worst Pac-12 team ever. Won uh, it the, the next Pac-12 year school, in a year where there Pac-12 were six conference. ranked Pac-12 teams. Yes, yes, one again. Uh, <laughs> I get that. I, I will say, though, I mean, I don't know. Utah's defense has declined every single year since he started this stretch of recruiting a bunch of blue-chip talent. Um, That's The defense true. was However, the worst it's ever been. The what list the worst it's ever been? The the defense. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's been rough. I think a bigger reason for that is the, the change in style of recruiting uh, okay. that they had, where me and Matt have talked about it, where on the defensive line, they started going more for speed than for size, and that backfired a little bit especially because they just missed on some guys like van fillinger is not who we thought he was going to be uh and i think as they go back to the utah archetypal defensive linemen like very large men (laughs) i think i think that'll start to stabilize a little bit because the dbs have been phenomenal these last few years uh the linebackers have been great aside from modi abate uh but he was a senior and only here for one year I, I don't think the talent has uh, anything to do with the decline on defense so much as just some misses, similar to how, you know, Dabo missed on some guys and poof. Uh, yeah. It, it collapsed a lot of things. Now, if it was all five star like Kyle Whittingham at USC, with that kind of talent, I think it's a different conversation. Okay. Uh, like, it's because it, you, you have to do a completely different coaching job. Uh, when you are coaching all five stars and if they're not, you know, all five stars and then four stars who are super good and have been told they're super good their entire lives. Uh, And I don't know if he can do that, but I also don't think we have any reason to think he can't. Okay. I mean, I, (laughs) I kind of wonder if a lot of it has to do with the kinds of personalities that four and five star kids might bring, but I also think it has to do with, those kids want to play earlier and Kyle Whittingham for a very long time played, mm-hmm. did not play young players uh, like Clark Phillips. The third, what he start as a true freshman on defense. Yeah. On defense, Utah's played young players. It's <laughs> offensively. They have not. <laughs> yeah. Offensively. They haven't, but uh, very clearly, but defensively they, uh, they have, and maybe that's part of it. Uh, yeah. You know, or the problem is, is that Clark Phillips now came into his own and he left. I guess you're sort of saying like, you know, you're going to hit all these guys when they're year three and can go to the NFL after that and you'll mm-hmm. have a great defense. But um, I don't know, kind of an interesting question because I do think that, that the kind of coaching that comes along with getting five stars and four stars is very different than if you've got a bunch of under um, under-recruited guys who are not just gems, but also you're developing them into something. So the mm-hmm. one, I think that matters way more in basketball just because the continuity to win a college basketball championship required to win one, it, it matters way more. Um, mm-hmm. Dana Altman, I sort of think, has been one of the few exceptions, but he's sort of feeling right now like he reinvented the roster last year. It didn't work, and now much of those same players came back. Um, and it's, I guess we'll see. We're, you know, he tends to come alive in February and we're just flipping the calendar this week to February. And so maybe this is him finally figuring it out. I will say very weird that he figures out how to bring them together when they've already mostly been together, like 
all these dudes have mostly been together for a year already. (laughs) Like, I don't know where it's, there's no like cohesion problem as much as trying to incorporate a guy like Keyshawn Bartholomew or, you know, whoever. Uh, So this is not, this is more like what a regular college basketball team goes through. uh, Okay. In terms of roster construction, what Dana Altman's doing this year, like you were saying, it's not the same as his usual, uh, I don't know, renovation of the roster. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. It's much, much, much different. All right. Well, that's a, an interesting question. Let us know if you've got some thoughts. Send us uh, some tweets at No Truck Stops Pod or at Equity Broder or at Banana Morks if you have thoughts about five stars and, uh, you know, if they, if they tend to, uh, if coaches, some coaches just don't know how to coach them. Be interesting here. All right. Let's move on to some game predictions for the week. on to some game predictions let's start with an update on wooden's weekly winners greg get an update for us so uh the the sheet has, has not been updated so next week we'll do a double update uh <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah I, I was looking at the beginning but uh yeah we'll, we'll have okay. that and the shout out next week okay uh, so oh, what, what, build the suspense why, why bother? let's just give shout outs to kg and rumble and buffalo yeah, I mean, we know they won. Uh, ben, and I feel Burrow. fairly confident that, that I didn't, remember, as I remember <laughs> filling that out. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I filled it out this week, too. I should figure out. I, should, I guess I should go back. I should have uh, did that thing where I sent a copy of it to me so I can remember uh, where my picks were. Yeah. Make sure you do that if you want to know. Like, oh, all right, go, go track it. Send a copy to your email. Uh, anyway, all right. Rooting more fun. Yeah, it would. Um, okay, let's move on to talk about some of the games. I picked three here. I pulled out three. Not a great weekend in Pac-12 basketball. We got a couple of intriguing matchups. First up on Thursday night, Oregon, Arizona in Tucson, 7:30 Pacific. Arizona are nine-point favorites over the Ducks. Greg, who wins? Who covers? So I have this strange feeling in my soul. A similar feeling to what I felt last week with USC and in UCLA, and I ignored the feeling last week, and I just said that USC would cover but not win. Something's telling me to take Oregon, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna take Oregon in Tucson. It doesn't make any sense, but fucking Oregon straight up. Oh man, this is a, <laughs> this is a, by far the most intriguing game of the slate. This is like, okay, is Oregon gonna do it? Are they back? Um. <laughs> If they win this game, oh, we're we're talking about four bid Pac-12 league, baby. We're doing yeah, seriously. Uh, <laughs> uh, I oh man, this is in Tucson. The McHale, McHale is a tough place Oof, to play. Yeah, that is. Hey, they've lost this year. Washington State destroyed the McHale Center mystique. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they paved the way for Oregon. <laughs> And Oregon is uh, more talented than Washington State, is better than at Washington State, has more size than Washington State. I'm not sure they're better coached uh, than Washington State, though. That's the issue. Uh, give me Arizona. I think they're going to win, but I don't think they cover nine points. I, oh, I, that's a tough game. This is a must <laughs> yeah. watch. If you're if you're sort of yeah, like, yeah, are there any good Pac-12 games on this week? This one, this one's it. It's on ESPN. Nice. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Uh, thank, thankfully, nothing in a Pac-12 shit for this one. Uh, okay, that night at 8 p.m. Pacific overlaps a little bit. Uh, Washington State goes to Los Angeles to play USC. The Trojans are five-point favorites. This one's on FS1. Greg, who wins, who covers? I think USC wins and covers. They are playing real well right now, and I, I, I don't feel the good things from, from Washington State quite so much. Yeah, I think uh, Washington State does play demonstrably worse on the road, although they beat Arizona in Tucson. That was a weird one. They did just Um, get that win over Arizona State, although that one was at home. That was at home. So I I think USC is going to win this one. They win this one, and they're going to solidify themselves, uh, cement themselves as the third third best team in the Pac-12. Okay. On Saturday, another Washington State game. They travel to Westwood to play UCLA, 4 p.m. Pacific. UCLA are 12 point favorites in this one. Greg, who wins, who covers? UCLA has not looked great. Mm. I think they win, but I think Washington State might make it a little sweaty. Uh, so I'll say Washington State covers, UCLA wins. I'm really interested in this one because I, you know, I, I, how far do we think UCLA is going to slide before they figure it out? I think that there is a yeah. scenario here where they beat Washington but then lose to Washington State. Washington State has a couple of wins over the years uh, over UCLA. Uh, some surprising wins, honestly. Let's see. Last year, I think they lost to UCLA 
both times they played if they played twice they did play twice once in the conference tournament once in uh the regular season ucla won both of those i think in 2021 washington state beat ucla they did um in in la lost in pullman so i don't know i think eh, washington state's good for ucla loss i'm going to say i think ucla wins but i don't think they cover i'll say that i don't think they cover 12 points so i think it's gonna be a tough game so all right well that's it that's all we had in terms of uh games for this week uh and that's all we have for our show thank you for listening uh if you're looking for football content go over to notruckstops.com otherwise keep talking hoops with us why not it's basketball season still so we're here until april that's greg no avery today we've got to say no avery because she's uh she's sick she's actually sick um so <laughs> shout out to shout out to grapes for we just completely ignore that she existed yeah <laughs> hopefully she listens nice to the us. end of this um <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's Greg. I'm Carlos. Thank you again for listening to us talk ball. And remember, there are not ruck stops here. I love that. Oh!